ought not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you. You take a stand for the Lord, you're a light bulb, dude. You're a thousand watt spotlight in the dark. Don't be surprised if people turn on you and try to shame you. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and welcome to Life Talk. Today on our program, we're going to continue our series called The Race. You know, we live in a world that consistently tries to shame Christians into silence. We're going to see today that we never need to be ashamed of the Lord or of His Word. Jesus Himself warned us of the danger of being ashamed of Him in a day that cries out for a clear voice on the claims of Jesus and His Gospel. The church must shake off that spirit of shame and be bold for him. So let's get right into the message, Don't Be Ashamed. We have talked about the race. Let me just give you a quick recap. The first message, we talked about dropping the unnecessary weights that slow us down in the race. Let us lay aside, lay down, put down every weight And the sin that so easily besets us, the cares of the world, and so on and so forth. Let us lay it down. Second message, we looked at the need for endurance, the need for mental and spiritual toughness. That's what the Word of God says, that we need to put on endurance. So we talked about that and the ability to keep on keeping on. Then the third message, we looked at the admonition to faint not in this race. Don't faint in the race. But learn to wait patiently for the Lord to act. And don't forget the principle of sowing and reaping. Between your sowing and between your reaping, there's always a lag time where you're tempted to faint. Don't do it. Because in due season, you will reap if you don't faint. But now, this last message on the race, I'm going to look at the need for not being ashamed of Jesus or of his word. Now, If you read your Bible, and I hope you all are, interestingly, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the issue of shame or being ashamed are often found connected together in the Bible. Being ashamed of Jesus or of his word or of his gospel. And you know what we see in scripture is that shame can take you out of the race. And that's why I'm sharing this last message on don't be ashamed in light of the race that we're in, because shame can take you out of the race. Ask Simon Peter if shame can take you out of the race. Simon Peter denied Jesus three times because he was ashamed and afraid of Jesus there where Jesus was arrested. He denied him three times and went out and wept bitterly. What was driving Peter? What was moving Peter? It was shame. Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy. He said, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you by the laying out of my hands. Why did he have to tell him that? Because Timothy was experiencing shame and fear over the gospel, and it had begun to intimidate him. So he said, don't be ashamed. Stir up that gift. 
Don't be intimidated. Don't put your gift down. Don't get out of the race, Timothy. Run well. And to run well, you're going to have to be free of shame. Paul triumphantly testified two different times in his own writings. He said these words, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He shared that as a triumphant testimony. Jesus warned his followers. He said, whoever is ashamed of me. Did you catch that? He said, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Are we in an adulterous and sinful generation? He said, now listen. He said, watch out for the shame trap. Watch out for the shame trap. For whoever is ashamed of me in this generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What a word. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. In other words, Jesus had to rebuke shame off of his followers, particularly when they were lodged and ensconced in an evil and adulterous generation. The temptation to be ashamed would come upon them. The word ashamed means to be disgraced or to be personally humiliated. We all know what it feels like to be ashamed, don't we? There's not a person in here that doesn't know what it feels like to be ashamed. For instance, let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say you're in a school play. You've only got a few lines to remember. When you were a younger person, when the evening arrives, the auditorium is filled, all your classmates are involved, your parents are in the audience, and your time comes. And you step up and your mind goes completely blank. Even with hints and cues from the teacher, you cannot remember your lines. One of your classmates finally steps up and carries it while you slink off the stage blushing and ashamed, embarrassed. That's autobiographical. That happened to me. Now, the next one didn't, but that one did. And uh, wow, was I ashamed. And you know what I said when I walked away that day? I will never speak in public again. Never say never. <laughs> I can almost see God right there and say, oh, you think so. Let me give you another example. Let's say you live in a family with a reputation for being exemplary. A model of what a family should be. Your family has been a source of pride for you at school. It's one of the things you have bragged about to your friends. Everybody talks about what a cool, what a neat, what a together family you have. You're proud of your dad, proud of your mom, but one day you come home from school only to learn from your mom that your dad has been arrested and put in jail. His mugshot is on the line for everybody to see. The next day, you're ashamed to go to school, to face the jeers and the sneers of your friend. You're ashamed. You're embarrassed. We all know the feeling. And these are understandably sources of shame. But let me ask you a question. Why in the world should we be dealing with the issue of being ashamed when it comes to Jesus Christ, who is totally righteous, totally good, totally right, totally sound, totally wholesome? Why in the world would we be dealing with the shame issue when it comes to Jesus? Now, I'm going to just venture to say that there's not a person in here that has not been embarrassed at one time or another to bring up your faith, to talk about him, to witness for him, to come out of the closet in front of a group of people and say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and I love him. 
We all know what it's like to feel that little check, that little pulling back, that little sense of, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say it. Now, Jesus, in the verse I read, he warned that we can stumble with shame over him in two particular areas. First, ashamed of him himself. He said, he who is ashamed of me, the person of Jesus himself, like Peter was there in the garden. Peter said, I don't know him. No, I've never known him. No, I don't know him. Or we can be ashamed of his words. Whoever is ashamed of me and ashamed of my words. Now that means not just the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just John 3, 16, but Jesus spoke a lot of words. All the things he taught concerning life and living, money, sexuality, forgiveness, heaven, hell, everything Jesus said. He said, if you're not careful, in a sinful and adulterous generation, you can experience shame, being ashamed of what I said. And here's why, because what he said goes against the grain of what they say. So what is it about Jesus or the words of Jesus that can cause us to be ashamed? Why did Paul continually ask for prayer for boldness? Paul himself, pray for me that I have boldness. Pray for me that I don't shrink back in shame, but I boldly declare the word of God, boldly speak for Jesus. Pray for me that I will do that. Why do we sometimes experience embarrassment for being Christians, particularly in the presence of the lost, in the presence of those who we know don't know him? They're at work. They're at school. They're in the neighborhood. Why do we experience embarrassment over him? And how can we be free of feeling ashamed concerning Jesus. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about here today? And the rest of you, may you be delivered of lying right in the house of God. Because I know we've all experienced it. Now, I want to first look at why I believe that we feel ashamed of the Lord. Because listen, folks, we're living in an adulterous and sinful generation wherein we need to be not ashamed, but extremely bold for God. We need boldness. We need a baptism of boldness. We need to put on boldness like a blanket. We need to be filled with holy fire and boldness because this generation is longing for somebody to strongly stand up and preach and teach and declare truth. So we've got to stand up. And I don't want one person in here being taken out of the race through shame, through being embarrassed. Here's one reason that I do believe we experience shame because we live in a world that seeks to shame the righteous. The Bible says that the devil, Diabolos, is the accuser of who? The brethren. His name, Diabolos, devil, literally means one who hurls accusations, shoots accusations in the theater of your mind, accuses us, and he does it in order to shame us. You know how many people are not in church today because they feel ashamed to go to church because they have listened to the devil who said to them, who are you to go to church? Look at you. Look at your life. Look at what you've done. Look at how you're living. You're a hypocrite. Don't be a great big hypocrite and go to church when in fact the church doors are wide open for hypocrites. Come on, hypocrites. We've all been hypocrites at one time or another. Let's be hypocrites together and get healed. Nobody's perfect, but isn't it interesting how the devil shames people 
If you're even going to church, or who are you to speak up for Jesus at work? Look at how you live. Look at those mistakes in your life. Look at those weaknesses in your life. Who are you? And the devil, without us realizing it, he shames us. He's a shaming devil. His modus operandi is to accuse the Christian, and in accusing you, he hopes to shame you. He uses the satanic tools of mocking and ridiculing the committed Christian in hopes of making him ashamed to take a stand for Christ. He wants to shame you into silence. If you receive the shaming he heaps on you, watch this, you will become ashamed. Feeling ashamed is the result of having been shamed. And he wants you to be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord himself. It's his tactic to accuse, to mock, to ridicule, to criticize. And a lot of times we don't even realize what voice it is talking in our heads. But it's the enemy. Now, the things that Satan seeks to shame the believer about have varied from generation to generation. I've noticed that every generation or about every decade, there's some new shaming weapon that the enemy uses. Pastor John Piper tells of how he had recently heard Bible teacher Alistair Begg say that his unbelieving friends criticized him in the 60s because they did not believe the gospel was true. So they criticized him. You know what they were saying? You've missed it intellectually, Mr. Begg. In other words, you're not very bright. You're not intellectual. You're not thinking. You're not very broad-minded, attempting to shame him for saying that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. But then he said... In the 90s, the shaming weapon changed. And they began criticizing him for claiming that there was any truth at all. In other words, the shaming tactic changed from, you are wrong, Mr. Begg, and not very bright, to, Mr. Begg, you are arrogant if you think that others are wrong and you are right. You're just arrogant. Because after all, Truth is relative. And who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? Because your truth is your truth and mine is mine. And if you're going to come along and say, I know the truth, then Mr. Bag, you are off mark and you ought to be ashamed of yourself for saying such a thing. You're being pompous, arrogant, and condescending. It ain't funny how when you start to speak out, the minute you think, should I say something, a thought will go through your head of why you shouldn't. And it's generally something shaming, something that makes you afraid of being shamed. Because nobody likes being shamed. And I believe the shaming tactic of Satan has changed yet again. Listen carefully to me. Today the greatest weapon of shaming is the accusation that you're intolerant. Who are you to say you're right and we're wrong and how dare you be so intolerant? Have you ever noticed that those who preach being tolerant are the most intolerant of those who don't agree with them. That's free. That's not in my notes. But see, the shaming tactic of Satan has changed 
Again, where if you are accused of being intolerant, if you stand for truth. And if intolerant, then here's what goes along with that. Then you are also mean-spirited and egotistical for disagreeing with the world's values and morality. And oh, folks, this is gaining steam in our culture. That's why I'm preaching to you that you've got to put on boldness and get out from under shame because we're going to have to grow a spine and stand up and speak up or lose this country. For example, the world today will attempt to shame you if you take a stand on what Scripture says about homosexuality or same-sex marriage or on the truthworthiness and trustworthiness of the Bible. Surely you're not so stupid as to believe the Bible, that archaic old book that's filled with violence and bloodshed, we hear. Surely you're not going to tell me that homosexuality or same-sex marriage is wrong. Everybody knows if you've been enlightened, you don't agree with that. If you take a stand on Bible morality, have you noticed a tsunami of condemnation and shaming will quickly come crashing down upon your head? Shame on you. Shame on you for saying such a thing. You'll be called things like hater, bigot, homophobe. If you say anything against Islam, Islamophobe. And other shaming. Did you notice? Those are shaming words. Do you notice that? Those are shaming type words designed to muzzle you from speaking up again. I know exactly what I'm talking about. When I was in college, I was in a radio TV film class. And at the end of the class, it was coming up on Christmas time. The semester was coming to a close. And we received an assignment. And the assignment was all of us in the class were to do our own film. It was going to be a little three-minute film. We had our audio directors. We had our camera people. We had our lighting people. And you, as the student, were the talent. And you wrote the script for the video. And so my time came. And I thought, wow, it's Christmas time. I'm in a college where all these very bright, intellectually curious people go. So I'm going to do my video on the amazing prophecies concerning Jesus Christ and how they all came to pass since it's Christmas time. Surely they will all go, wow, I didn't know that. What did I learn? Here's some of the verses I use. You shall call his name wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and the increase of his government, there shall be no end. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth. I thought, if they see that Micah, centuries before Christ, said that Jesus was going to come out of Bethlehem, be born in Bethlehem, then maybe someone will get saved. So here I am. I'm the talent. Lights are on. I'm reading my cue cards. It's all on cue cards. And everything that I said was Bible. The whole class was supposed to critique your film. So I'm reading along. I can't see. There's bright lights coming down in my face. And I'm just reading the cue cards straight in front of me. And all of a sudden, I hear noises. I don't think anything about it. I kept on reading. I thought, wow, this is really good. This is powerful. Even I think this is good. I finished. The lights came on. And there's no one there. I looked around, there's no one, one girl who was also a Christian. She comes up to me, she says, Jeff, I'm so sorry. Where is everybody? They all left. I didn't realize that when I started reading that Bible, there was such spiritual darkness in that radio, TV, film class, they couldn't take hearing the Bible quoted. 
They couldn't take it. So they all went out in the hall. Even my teacher left. I'm looking at empty chairs. Nobody to critique me. Nobody say, hey, that was a good film, Jeff. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it was an attempt to shame me. Oh, man, I walked out in the hall, and they're all leaned up against the wall in the hall. And when I walked by, it was like, oh, there he goes. <laughs> See, the power of the Word of God, when you share Jesus, it's like a light comes on in the room, and the cockroaches run. Okay? <laughs> and this was at, I'll go ahead and say, the University of North Texas in Denton. I walked out of there, and I was taking a bus back and forth to school in those days. And I got on that bus, and church, I'm going to tell you, I was crushed. I couldn't believe it. I felt, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I was young in the Lord. I was ashamed. I felt embarrassed. I second-guessed my decision to do the whole thing. I was second-guessing it all the way home. I said, Lord, what in the world happened? They all walked out of me, even my teacher. Listen, if that happened to me today, I'd be at the dean. I'd be turning that teacher in. And when I went back out in the hall, I turned to all of them and said, boo! <laughs> but back when I was young in the Lord, it crushed me because it shamed me. I felt shame. And on the way home in the bus ride, I said, Lord, what happened? Did I fail you? He said, you didn't fail me. Did I not tell you if they persecuted me, they will persecute you? If they receive me, they'll receive you. Welcome, Jeff to my world. Now, I got over it, and I never gave up my witness in the University of North Texas, never did, witness till the day I walked away. But that was an experience, my first experience in genuine rejection, wholesale, industrial strength rejection of the Jesus I was standing for. It taught me Brace yourself. You ought not be surprised at the fiery trial that has come upon you. As though some strange thing were happening to you. You take a stand for the Lord, you're a light bulb, dude. You're a thousand watt spotlight in the dark. Don't be surprised if people turn on you and try to shame you. So then how do I get rid of shame, Jeff? How do I get rid of shame? I'm going to give you three simple ways that Jesus got rid of shame. He's our example. He is our model. So let's look at how he did it. First, we need to do exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says he despised the shame. Can you say with me, despise the shame? Now listen carefully. That's a strong word. He despised the shame. Listen to what it says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the the shame, and it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That three-word phrase jumped out at me. I read that a million times, but this time it jumped out at me. He despised the shame. What does that mean? He despised the shame. that's it for today. I trust God spoke to you about the importance of shaking off the shame the world wants to place on you for standing up for the Lord. Join me next time for part two of this important message, Don't Be Ashamed. 
Until next time, may God's richest blessing be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff, and if you appreciate the straightforward Bible teaching you hear on Life Talk Radio, you can help us continue to be a voice of truth on this station. Call toll-free at 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us any time, day or night and make a donation to Empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. be ashamed. It's the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The Race. You can own a copy of this six CD set for just $30 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The Race, for only $30 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.